Hello, and welcome to episode 10, all about book two, chapter one, many meanings of Fellowship of the Ring, being the 10th part of That's What I'm Talking About. Holy cow, that's a mouthful. I'm Mary Clay. Welcome to That's What I'm Talking About. I don't remember how my podcast starts, but here we are. I am here with another CNU English major. Welcome, Kelsey Rippa. Hello. It's lovely to be here. Yay. Yeah, my goal is to go through as many CNU English majors as possible for my podcast guests. I was so excited when you finally asked me to be on it. Because when Bethany came on and she mentions the English major group chat, I immediately tweeted at her, number one, saying, like, how dare you? I'm not a part of this group chat. Oh, I saw that. But also, like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I, I was totally kidding. But I think she, like thought I was super serious, so she immediately added me. Oh. <laughs> well, Bethany's a wonderful person, so that doesn't surprise me that she would have been like, she, okay, I'll She is you. a wonderful person, and I hope she wasn't, like, offended at me trying to be funny and pretending to be mad. <laughs> but anyway. Well, um, uh, listeners, we have a good episode coming up because Kelsey has the interesting perspective of she's mostly a fan of the movies and has been intending to read the books for a while. And I forced her to read this chapter so she could come on and talk about it. But it was interesting for me because... And it's interesting for me all the time when I'm wondering, like, okay, who should I have on? And, you know, I've had to, like, expand my mind view, whatever that's called, viewpoint, I don't know, perspective? Is that the word? I don't (laughs) know. Your inner, your third eye. I guess, I don't know. I've had to, like, expand my viewpoints on, like... Who constitutes as a fa- as a as a fan of Lord of the Rings? Is it just people who have read the books? Is it just people who have watched the movies? Is it people who have done both? And it like goes into this broader conversation that we always have in pop culture or whatever is like of like, well, you're not a real fan if you haven't blah blah blah. And I'm a firm believer that like if you like any part of a series or a fandom or whatever, Awesome. You're a fan. Congratulations. Yes. And I did make an attempt to read The Fellowship when I was in high school, but I didn't make it past the first three chapters because Tolkien loves to use so much detail when it's just not necessary. And I was like, I'm going to stick to the movies. Boy, howdy, do I feel that. So you are way ahead of me, but I did read this chapter and the chapter before so I could be caught up. And also, like, very unintentionally, I picked a great chapter for you to come on to because in the beginning of it, we'll get to it in in, a hot second, but, like, in the beginning, Frodo and Gandalf do a little, uh, like, recap of, like, previously on Fellowship of the Ring. And they talk about, like, some of the things that have happened. (laughs) Yes, in case you missed it or you weren't actually reading the entire time, here's what actually happened. Here are some of the highlights. So, uh, but before we get to that, I actually do have an interview internet question this time. Last week, I forgot to look one up, but now I have, I have two and I just need to choose. Okay. This question. Oh, this one's from my cousin, Sarah Jane. Um, Yes. Listeners, you heard that right. I have a cousin. She also has a double name. 
the double name thing, Mary Clay, Mary something, Sarah, it runs in our family. So yes. Anyway, Sarah Jane asks, if you were a hobbit in the Shire, what would be your favorite pastime? Let's see. I guess my favorite pastime, because I love baking now, and hobbits just seem like such quaint, simple folk. No need for big adventures like uh, Frodo and Bilbo Baggins. They're troublemakers. So my favorite pastime would probably be just like baking, because I like baking now. I figured I mean, that will carry over. Yeah, hey, the the Shire needs the Shire needs bakers because the hobbits love yeah, food. Yeah, uh, yes. So you can just exactly. you could just be the little baker in Hobbiton. Yeah, I I'll have hobbits lining the streets. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I'd be there if I was a hobbit. My pastime would be. I, I feel like I would just sit by a lake or a pond or something and read. Or may, are there podcasts in the Shire? Because I'd probably listen to a podcast. Maybe, maybe like uh, uh, the people that stand on the streets and announce the daily news, like the word oh, of the like day. Oh, and like, yeah, I'll sit, yeah, sit like there. The and, newsies, yeah, uh, That's kind of like podcasting, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> let's go back. I can picture... I guess that's how I would maybe describe podcasting to, like, my grandma. Honestly, I don't even know if she... I don't know if she knows that I have a podcast because I, like, wouldn't even know where to begin to explain it to her to be like... So it's this... It's a recorded audio thing on your phone. It's a radio show, but online. That's, yeah, a radio show. And the other thing, though, is that I feel like she would be like, oh, great, well, what station is it on? I can tune into it. And I'm like, no, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. Yeah. It's on Spotify, but you don't have Spotify. I don't think she could listen to this podcast. Well, that's okay, because we have lots of other people listening right now, and we are going to jump into book two, chapter one, mini meetings, of Fellowship of the Ring. I had listeners, what you didn't know and or hear is that I've started recording my intros before I start video calling with my guests because it is becoming such a mouthful that I don't want to embarrass myself in front of the guests. And I'm so glad that I waited to call Kelsey until after I recorded the intro because it took me forever. And I still don't know if the way that I said it sounded good. Can I just say like chapter 13? Is that acceptable? I I read online when I was doing research that Tolkien, he split up each book into multiple books because he intended the trilogy. He he thought of it as just like one long book, like all together. And I don't know why. (laughs) So like it could be chapter... You could think of it as chapter 13, and then the two towers, the next book will be like, the first page will be like chapter 37 or something. Yeah, I'll just keep going because that's all one big book. Yeah. Yeah, Tolkien, I feel like he was just unnecessarily dramatic when he was writing The Lord of the Rings because he was like, I'm going to make this extra difficult for everyone involved. And I'm going to insist that no, these aren't three separate books. It's not a trilogy. It's one book and I published them separately with separate titles. And and within those parts of the singular book, I'm going to divide it 
into books. It's just nonsense. He was very proud of his work and he loved making things complicated. Very proud of his work indeed. So starting off in this chapter, I... So the previous two episodes I was talking about, man, I really hope there's some kind of a big time jump forward so that we can... There can be a big passage of time and we can like get things rolling instead of it being like the eighth. It's like, and on the eighth day, they sat in the rain and it was Mm -hmm. cold and they were sad and hungry and Frodo was almost dying. And then... This chapter kicks off with the time jump that I've been waiting for. Yes, I, I've i listened to your previous episodes, and I, I was, like, so excited because you get what you want. It starts with Frodo waking up in a bed at Rivendell, yes. and he's been there yes. for days. Which, if I had just held off on making that prediction <laughs> or guess for, like, another episode, I would have been dead on, but... That's not how things go. Also, I'm just always amazed when my guests are like, yeah, I listened to that episode when, and I'm like, you listened to an episode? Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, support your friends. (laughs) Did you hear that, mom? I have friends. (laughs) So yeah, so Frodo Frodo wakes up, and I think this is like the one scene from the movie that I do remember, and Frodo wakes up, and he's wearing like a white nightgown, and then I think Mary and Pippin and Sam like all run over and like give him a hug, and they're like, you're alive, Um, which... (laughs) kind of sort of happens here it's funny because when i was i was texting bethany asking like hey in your opinion is the movie super different at the point in the book where it's chapter one of book two and she was like oh chapter one i mean in the movie this chapter is like 10 seconds long Apparently. Yeah, I guess so. Because they cut out like all the singing and the poetry reciting. So yeah, it doesn't need to be that long. For good measure. So Gandalf has a nice, sassy, kind of dramatic entrance, but not really. Frodo wakes up wondering where he is and he wonders aloud, where am I and what time is it? And a voice responds in the house of Elrond and it is 10 o'clock in the morning. It is the morning of October the 24th, if you want to know. And it's Gandalf about bloody time. Yeah, and he says, yes, I am here. I know. <laughs> like, yes, here I am. The one and only. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. I know, he's like, it me. Surprise. A hey, me. <laughs> Finally, the man we've been wanting and missing for months on this journey. Now, hobbits, the moment you've all been waiting for. The wizard who abandoned you. Yay. But not by choice. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's all we find out, too. Yeah, so Frodo asks uh he's kind of slowly coming to and remembering things that happened um and trying to remember trying to piece together what happened as he like passed out at the end of the previous chapter and where they are and i guess also piecing together wow it's almost the end of october when we started this when we started the journey a chapter ago, it was the beginning of October. How can that be? And I mean, to Frodo's credit, he's a good little hobbit. And he asks about all of his other little hobby friends. And they're all safe and sound. And we find out that Frodo 
had been, it had been kind of touch and go with his evil zombie bite wound from the ring wraiths. And he was still sick. And they found that there was this tiny little remnant splinter of the sword left in his wound. And as soon as they pulled that out, he's all better now. Gandalf says, yeah, yeah. It's like you said, he says, I am here. True. It is I. And he says, you are lucky to be here too. After all the absurd things you have done since you left home. All the absurd things. At which point I was like, I was like, Gandalf, I don't think you have a right to call them absurd things considering they only happened because you weren't there. So. Yeah. And then he, we, what's also very convenient is that Gandalf knows what they had been up to and some of the worries and thoughts that had been crossing Frodo's mind about the ring that he hadn't even like spoken aloud. He learns all this because very conveniently Frodo was talking in his sleep. Yeah. That's like, you know, if Gandalf knows every single detail about their trip, like, I wonder what Frodo was actually saying in his sleep, because it... I know, like, Like, he, I wonder if he was going full-on narrator. I know, <laughs> plot twist, the entire first half of the book was narrated by Frodo talking in his sleep. Basically. It was just... Frodo was J.R.R. Yeah. Tolkien the entire time. I guess you could say he was Tolkien in his sleep. Oh my god. But um Yeah. Love it. All right. I love I it. I love it. I can quit the podcast now. All right. Good night, everyone. It was great. Great having you on. Goodbye. We're done. We're done. <laughs> um, I'm 99% sure I've made that joke so before peak. on the podcast at some point. But that but that oh time gosh. it came up so naturally. Man, that was great. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I'm so proud of thank you. Thank you, thank you. So uh, Gandalf, yeah, Gandalf says, do not worry. Though I said absurd just now, I did not mean it. I think well of you and of the others. It is no small feat to have come so far and through such dangers, still bearing the ring. Which is true. It is a god miracle they are still alive. Yeah, like, I mean, to their credit, yeah, the hobbits made a bunch of dumb mistakes in the first half of... I guess book one, but that was because, yeah, Gandalf wasn't there, but he wanted to be there, but someone, like, kept Gandalf from them and they couldn't meet in the middle, so basically the hobbits, I mean, they they tried their best um, with what yeah. they had, I guess, yeah. so, I and Gandalf sees that. <laughs> yeah, Gandalf's gotta be, like, th- sitting there thinking, like, yeah, this is, this is, like, the best possible outcome I was expecting, this is the best case scenario. Yeah. Is is the hobbits got yeah, here with least, the ring. At least, you know, no one died. No one is, I mean, Frodo almost died, but it could have been worse. <laughs> he almost, it's like Strider standing there and it's like, Frodo almost died. And Gandalf goes, almost. Almost. That's the word. And, um, it, and I just looked, I just looked down and like as we're as we're talking about Gandalf being kind of sassy, I just looked down at the page and saw, yes, I, Gandalf the Grey, said the wizard solemnly. Mm. Oh, this is a great. We're gonna pause, Kelsey. Please read this line that is in the introduction of your version of the book. Oh, okay. So Tolkien gives. I have a 1965 edition of The Fellowship of the Ring, very beat up, doesn't have a cover, but it has a foreword by Tolkien himself, and I read it, and there's one line that stuck out to me, and it just shows who he really is, and it says, Some who have read the book, or at any rate have reviewed it, have found it boring, absurd, or contemptible. 
and I have no cause to complain since I have similar opinions of their works or of the kinds of writing they evidently prefer. So it just shows Tolkien. how sassy Tolkien is. He is savage. I love it. And so sassy. Mic drop. Yeah. I love uh, when you sent me that because it was so it was so great to see a bit of how to learn kind of a little bit about his personality because I don't truthfully I don't know much about Tolkien the person but it was really it was really fun to see just that little bit because I can see how that sassiness and that savageness kind of comes through in the books. And I don't know, just reading, just reading, yes, I, Gandalf the Grey, I don't know, it just reminded me kind of like sassy and very, not yes. not full of yourself, not arrogant, but like, you know but, that you're better than knows, other people. And it's, yeah, and he knows what he's about. Yeah, exactly. He's some hot shire. Yeah, he, he knows what he's about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... Yeah, so it is a miracle that the hobbits got here, and a large part of that miracle is due to Strider. And I love how Frodo describes him. He says, For I have become very fond of Strider. Well, fond is not the right word. I mean, he is dear to me, though he is strange and grim at times. In fact, he reminds me often of you. I didn't know that any of the big people were like that. I thought, well that they were just big and rather stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so basically, Frodo is going off of kind of like these stereotypes in of men that he's already met along the way. So Strider, when he sees this tall glass of water, he's very surprised. <laughs> he is a tall glass of water, that man. I can't wait to see what he looks like in the movies, because I can't remember... Oh, he's very attractive. Um, I can't remember what he looks like, but I, I think I've asked Bethany, like, three times. I'm like, is Strider the one-does-not-simply-walk-into-Mordor guy? And she's like, no, that's a different yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, that's Sean Bean, and he is... Uh, I'm okay, but you've seen the movie all, already, right? <laughs> I don't. Well, that's the thing is I don't remember. Okay, so I'm not gonna risk anything. But yeah, Sean Bean fine. has this uh, reputation in movies, and this happens in this movie. So now uh, Frodo is wondering. Oh, I also I'm just now remembering that I also wrote notes <laughs> that I can look at too <laughs> to be like, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, so I wrote uh, I wrote down this scene is so reminiscent, or I guess the reverse of it is true, but it really reminds me of at the end of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone when Harry is waking up in the hospital, Uh and Dumbledore is there, and Dumbledore is there to kind of like nicely tie up a couple loose ends and explain what happened Mm -hmm. and all that stuff, and while Gandalf everything is nice and fuzzy yeah and it's just yeah and it's nice and snuggly and warm and he eats a birdie butts every flavored bean alas earwax (laughs) i mean and you know we don't get as many answers in this chapter as we do in that chapter in harry potter of course because that's at the end of a book and this is in the middle Mm -hmm. of a book but it's so i don't i just really i just got some nice happy happy little thoughts from from just imagining that and making those connections in my head that these seem so similar and it just makes me give have a larger appreciation for like the fantasy genre in general. Yeah, yeah, like especially, you know, 
it's it's like a nice I guess respite is the word after you know enduring a huge action sequence in the previous chapter this gives you time to breathe yeah. after that and what better way to do that than having the main character lie in bed with this old wise character looking after you oh. It is such a comforting thought. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, Frodo appreciates the company of Strider slash Aragorn. And this is where we find out that, surprise, kind of not surprise, Aragorn is a uh, some kind of a fallen king, or he used to be a king, and... Something happened where he was dethroned or he was about to be king and then something bad happened. Uh, you will learn more about that later. Yeah. But for right now, you just know that he is very important in no yes. normal ranger. Yeah. And Frodo's like, oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's funny because in, um, I think it's chapter, it's up. It's either chapter 10 or 11 where his little poem thing is said, the all, yeah. all, not all those who wander are lost poem. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't on that episode. And I, I don't know if I've ever, I don't know if I've mentioned it or brought it up on an episode because it was as I was reading that passage and talking about it live as we were recording, I didn't realize it, but it was after I was editing everything um, and listening to, and picking up on like small hints here and there and having people say like oh well I won't say much but this poem is very important to the character of Aragorn and I eventually kind of made this connection especially the last couple the last two lines of it say from the ashes of fire shall be woken a light from the shadows shall spring renewed shall be blade that was broken the crownless again shall be king yes and it's like so he's a king or should be king and then this is also where I wrote like in all caps I said also return of the king dot 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 is that Aragorn? Oh I don't know maybe (laughs) I was like okay so I'm guessing the last episode the last episode gosh the last book return of the king is about the restoration of what happens after this war as Gandalf refers to it actually um, the war of the ring yes. I believe is what he calls yes. it after this is all over I suppose we will see what Aragorn becomes yes because obviously the hobbits are very important but Tolkien introduces many characters as well oh, Aragorn yeah. is definitely one especially since he's written so many other things about Aragorn because he's just I guess he's a cool guy. <laughs> and the last one, it's it's about something along those lines, but it's not all about it. Because yeah. the hobbits are still there. <laughs> we gotta wrap <laughs> things up. <laughs> yeah. We gotta tie all the loose ends here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this will actually if this is actually gonna how it's gonna proceed forward but I have a feeling or maybe a prediction that as these books these three books are going forward and things are you know the war of the ring is getting Mm -hmm. more intense it wouldn't surprise me if the focus of the books or the focus of the characters that we focus on shifts away from the hobbits and on to like a bigger like wider 
overarching plot, I guess, if that makes sense. Like it, mo- yeah. like, it wouldn't surprise me if if the focus shifts away from the hobbits and moves on to someone else or a different scheme or something else that like oh, there yeah. are bigger, you know, like there are bigger things at play here mm-hmm. than just fro- this little hobbit boy mm-hmm. with a evil ring. Yeah. And Tolkien, I mean, he uses war. I mean, because this is, he calls this the war of the ring. And a lot of people allude that to the great war, like World War One, something that yeah. involved literally the entire world. And so, like, in Middle-earth, that means every single race. Elves, men, dwarves, hobbit, uh, wizards, all these people. A lot of critics alluded it, you know, found connections between World War One and um, Tolkien is like, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. But everyone is like, uh, I'm pretty sure you do. Even though you say you don't, it's still there. Yeah. Oh, it's like one of my previous guests was talking about how Tolkien and Lewis had very different viewpoints on how to treat religion and how and whether or not to incorporate that into works of fantasy or literature. Yeah. And they had very different ideas. And Tolkien was like, no, I'm not including any religion at all in this. But literally, at some point, like at some point in this chapter, I don't think I highlighted it or wrote it down. But I remember specifically at some point in this chapter, like at the feast or after the feast or something, they literally have bread and wine. And like of all like, and also just like of all of the food and drinks that are at that feast to specifically mention the bread and wine. Yeah, when that's such a has such a huge connection to like Christianity is yeah yeah Tolkien Tolkien can say ah, sorry my oh. dad's calling me and it scared me <laughs> it's okay God. I'm good continue oh I was just saying I mean Tolkien can say like he tries to make it as subtle as he possibly can but Gandalf is basically Jesus in this whether he <laughs> likes it or not I mean because <laughs> uh, I will that's Because I will say that one of the things I remember from the movie and that I've also kind of sort of been spoiled on for the books is I know that Gandalf dies Mm -hmm. and I know that at some point he comes back. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fairly obvious, you know, death, rebirth, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Sorry, you broke up there. Can you hear me? Kelsey, are you there? Can you hear me? Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Kelsey. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm including all of that. <laughs> Are you there? I'm here. <laughs> can you hear me? I can hear you. Reply with, um, what is your favorite fruit? Bananas. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that was so weird. <laughs> Are we back? <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Are you back? I'm back. Technology, man. It's uh, crazy. You know, internet. Well, I don't remember where we were, but uh, um, speaking of being confused and having a lack of communication, there we go. That's a nice segue. There we go. Frodo asks, Gandalf, where the hell have you been? <laughs> and G- and Gandalf sa- basically gives him nothing and says, like, I can't say much and I won't say much at this time, but I was, uh, I was a bit tied up. <laughs> Yeah. My hands were tied, let's just say. All he says is, I was delayed. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the movie does a great job of that because, and I don't think it's in the book, but in the beginning of The Fellowship of the Ring, Gandalf goes on this spiel where he's like, a wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. And yet throughout the entire book, he's nowhere to be seen. And he says, I was delayed. Oh my God. What is he, Julie Andrews in the second <laughs> Princess Diaries movie? Oh, There's I mean, l- basically, he's Julie Andrews with a beard. <laughs> I'd watch that adaptation. Yes. Oh, Julie Andrews can do anything. God bless that woman. I will cry a lot when she dies. Don't you say that. <laughs> Knock on wood. Oh my gosh, can you imagine if like tomorrow we wake up and we find out that she's died? Oh my I'll gosh. Just, I'll just have to end the podcast. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, he just doesn't answer about where he was, but he gives kind of a solid alibi, sort of a solid alibi. Yeah. And it's like, just just trust me. I couldn't have come. I would have been there if I could, but yeah. I couldn't. He, so let's just was, move on. I mean, he, he gives him an answer while being very vague by saying, like, there are people more powerful than I am in this world. And power enough to delay Gandalf from what he has to do. And I think we were talking about Aragorn being of the race of kings. And Frodo's like, oh, I thought they all vanished long ago. I thought he was only a ranger. Oh, yeah. And Gandalf's like, only a ranger? My dear Frodo, that is just what the rangers are. The last remnant in the north of the great people, the men of the west. Is that a good game yeah, impression? And, yeah, I think that also, because he goes on later to say that he is very close with the rangers and in the in a chapter before, like, he uses a ranger symbol for the letter G for Gandalf. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, he's close enough to know their language and possibly know that Aragorn was with the hobbits and could decipher what it meant, maybe. Truth. Yeah. And also, it's very, it's kind of scary to learn, because in my mind, Gandalf is like the highest power there is besides, what's his name? The evil person. Uh, Sauron. Sauron. Like, in my mind, there is no greater, more powerful person at this point than Gandalf. And probably Frodo has this viewpoint as well that, oh, Gandalf means safety, it means power, it means that no one will hurt us. And to learn otherwise, to learn that, like, not only are there people out there who want to harm him, but there are people out there who can and they will and they have and that they are capable of, Mm -hmm. of, you know, capturing him or killing him. And to learn that is frightening i'd imagine i guess it's kind of like in spoiler alert for harry potter and the half-blood prince but (laughs) it's kind of like when dumbledore dies and it's it's this big shock of like but he's dumbledore he's the protector of the school and Mm -hmm. he's this wise powerful kind gentle yet i don't know tough he's he's like a a rock to people 
like Gandalf is a rock to Frodo. He yeah. is his compass. He is his, you know, solid foundation. And without him, he was lost. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. And then it's funny yeah. that he kind of gives a very vague description of what happened to him because then we actually get a lot of very helpful information and clarification about the writers and the wound that Frodo had. And basically a lot of things that were just very vaguely described in the first half of this book are now cleared up and we get a lot of very helpful information. Yeah, so Frodo was asking what were, what were the writers trying to do? says, they tried to pierce your heart with a Morgul knife, which remains in the wound. If they had succeeded, you would have become like they are, only weaker and under their command. You would have become a wraith under Mm -hmm. the dominion of the Dark Lord, and he would have tormented you for trying to keep his ring, if any greater torment were possible than being robbed of it and seeing it on his hand. Yeah, so you were kind of right by saying it was basically yeah. like a zombie knife. It turns people into like it's it's a type it's a de- specific Morgul knife that turns them into wraiths. The the dark riders yeah. that are chasing them, and they're all under the command of the Ring, which is under the dominion of the Dark Lord. So I mean, of course, he's gonna turn evil. Yeah. And it was just, it was just nice to get some complete, some actual confirmation that this is happening. Cause in the previous chapter, Strider is just like, yeah, I don't really know what might happen. I'm just imagining it's not good. Yeah. Even Strider has his limits. Yeah. And then we also learn a little, we learn a little bit more about the writers and the ring, which is again, Mm -hmm. nice, like about bloody time that we just learn a little bit about what this ring is exactly like all we know at this point is that the ring is bad and it's tempting and it makes you invisible but we don't really you know like we know it's bad but we don't exactly understand why or exactly what it does and he says You were in gravest peril while you wore the ring, for then you were half in the wraith world yourself, and they might have seized you. You could see them, and they could see you. And then Mm -hmm. talking about the writer's horses, he says, they are real horses, just as the black robes are real robes that they wear to give shape to their nothingness when they have dealings with the living. So, man, just we, in this course of like two paragraphs, we get a whole lot more information than we ever had in the entire first yeah, half of the Yeah, so book. it's revealed here that when he puts on the ring, his enemies still see him. Yeah. And for that point, it's useless. He may hide from everyone else, but the real enemy sees him yeah. still. Yeah, is extra spooky. Yep. So Gandalf is like, all right, enough of your questions, my child. It's time for Betty Bye. And Frodo, I guess, is he's satisfied with some of these answers and he's ready to go back to sleep and take a rest. And this is where uh, I was kind of confused and weirded out. Gandalf comes and sits over by Frodo and he's looking at him to see like, oh, I guess he looks better, but he there's still something a little bit yeah. off. Yeah, I... Uh 
I was listening to the audio version that you gave me, and when it came like to this, where he says, "Still, that must be expected," said Gandalf. Yeah, and like he's muttering to himself, like, "Oh, he, he still doesn't look that great." Like we we may not know, but then out loud, he's like, "You look splendid." Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love. Yeah. So he describes it as it says there was a faint change. Just a hint. Oh, it's ta- he's talking about Frodo's uh, left arm because he was stabbed in the um, yeah. his left shoulder. And it says, but to the wizard's eye, there was a faint change, just a hint, as it were, of transparency about him, especially about the left hand. So is he Frodo? Is is he like fading away, like Marty McFly at the end of Back to the Future? <laughs> When he like holds up his hand and can kind of see through it because he's disappearing, or is this more like a figure, uh, a metaphorical, <laughs> like fading away? I think it's more of like he's still healing, probably because the blade was yeah. very powerful and his wound is still healing, so he's just surveying the damage it's already done. Yeah, and I, I guess because of how evil the wound was or the act mm-hmm. was i guess there will always be some kind of like damage lingering oh, yeah. there and um shoot i was going to say something spoilery but i won't i was just going based on the the <laughs> movies but you know that the it lingers i will say that Yes. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, also, qu- uh, very quickly, but um, b- so before he goes to bed, he asks about the flood, and we find out that the river had been enchanted, basically, to prevent anything evil or dark mm-hmm. from crossing it. And that's where the flood came from. And then I love that Gandalf has a flair for the dramatics, yes. because he says, like, did you notice my personal <laughs> touches? <laughs> Yes, uh, he's like it's a, some of the waves took the form of great white horses with shining white riders. And I I, I like that he asks Frodo at, like as Frodo was in the midst of the, all of this and like possibly about to die or be captured by the riders. As he was in the midst of this, Gan- Gandalf is like, yeah, but but did you see what I did? Yeah. I added the I added the horses. Yeah. What'd you think like, of that? That's pretty cool, right? Did you like that? It's like um. Yeah, it was fun. I vaguely remember it right before I passed out from my near fatal injury. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure the 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 riders appreciated the horses too, Gandalf. I know. <laughs> they were gosh. being trampled by them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Gandalf. Oh, what Gandalf. a great dude. He's so great. And also a horrible dude. <laughs> I I love to hate him and I I hate to love him. Is I mean, what, he's he's saying? a he's a crazy grandpa, but he's uh been around the block a couple times. So, Frodo wakes up and is reunited with Pippin and Sam and Mary and they are going to have a feast. And um, and on page 226 of my copy, at least, Pippin says the name of the book. Yes, I I actually underlined it. I was like, he said the name of the book. <laughs> yeah, like you're watching a movie and you're like, he said it. He said it's it. The name of the movie. It's the <laughs> there it the, is. It's the name of the book. But in this case, it's it's a bad thing because, I know. you know. Yeah, so Pippin, Pippin says, make way for Frodo, Lord of the Ring. And Gandalf is like, shut up, you idiot. Oh, hey, like, he's a fool of a toque. What can you do? Oh, man. Um, he tries his best, you know. 
But yeah, the Lord of the Ring is revealed here as being the bad guy of the entire book. The reason why this is all happening. Oh no. I think you cut out again. Uh oh, not again. Hello, it's Mary Clay from the future. Unfortunately, this is where we ran into some technical difficulties. For some reason, our call got cut off, and in the process of reconnecting, we somehow lost half of our audio. But fear not, all is well in Rivendell because we got back together the next day to re-record for the last half of the episode, which you will hear now. Hello, everyone. We're back. Welcome. Um, I am coming to you live once again from teen, actually I switched it up this time, I'm in teen study room B at the public library, um, hoping the internet is a little bit stronger because we had some technical difficulties, but it's all good because I honestly, every time I finish recording, I immediately forget whatever I say. So you'll be hearing the same joke as if it was the first time. Yeah, because I... Like, honest to God, do not remember what we talked about. I made okay. a re- I remember I made a reference to Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. And I think that was it. That's the <laughs> only joke I remember making. So Okay. We left off. Pippin said the name of the book. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we left off. Pippin said the name of the book. He said that uh, Frodo is the Lord of the Ring. And Gandalf got very mad at him and was like, don't say that. That is awful. The Lord of the Ring, he says specifically, I'm on the wrong page, (laughs) says the Lord of the Ring is not Frodo, but the master of the Dark Tower of Mordor, whose power is again stretching out over the world. We are sitting in a fortress. Outside, it is getting dark. Followed up by our man Pippin, who says, Gandalf has been saying many cheerful things like that. I love it. I I actually underlined it because I loved it so much. That's my boy. Yeah, it's just a nice little piece of sarcasm, which as someone whose humor is mostly sarcasm, I appreciate that the hobbits can also speak in sarcasm occasionally. And uh, Pippin is the youngest of the hobbits like he's a literal teenager so sarcasm is basically written in teenagers genes yeah (laughs) this is true (laughs) even in hobbits (laughs) yeah that's true um but yeah i love that he kind of gives a little dig at gandalf about like you're being so cheerful you don't want to you know stop like we're all having such a great time we're so glad (laughs) you're having so much fun gandalf you know with darkness (laughs) spreading all over the lands yeah So then they begin this grand feast in celebration of Frodo's survival and waking up and the ring, I guess, being safe momentarily and very momentarily because I'm sure it'll immediately be in peril again within the next, like, 50 pages. (laughs) Yeah, I also think because there are many guests, many different kinds of guests, it's also a feast just to bring everyone together. Yeah, for, that's a great point. Yeah, for like this huge, important thing that is going to happen. So it's like a great dinner to kick off something very serious. Yeah, I guess. very serious indeed. Starting off is some very descriptive introductions of the elves, which is great but again, we still don't know what the hobbits look like. We know that Frodo has bright eyes 
and Sam has red hair, and that's it. But we know what these but we know what these elves look like who have only been mentioned a few times and who we are meeting for the very first time. We know exactly what they look like, but we don't know what Frodo looks like. Yeah, I think that's also because, you know, Tolkien came up with the elvish language before he even came up with these stories themselves. So he has spent a lot of his time and his life just basically crafting the language in the people that speak it so he's it's kind of like i want to say the elves are like his babies oh i was about to say that too (laughs) yeah so he 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 wants people to know what his children look like yeah it's definitely his baby it's his it's his life and his life's work and his heart and soul is in this and it's also, um, there's like some joke about being a writer or something. And it says, so the way that you write a book, you come up with a great one liner, or you come up with a setup for a joke, or a quip. And then you write an entire book leading up to that moment, and then follow it. And then what happens afterwards, you write oh. the entire book around the joke that you come up with. And that's kind of what I, it's also I feel like that's kind of what Tolkien's done is he came up with the elves and the elvish language. And he was like, well, I mean, now I got to write a book about, you know, using it so that I have a good, ex- you know, so this can't all be for nothing. This is, yeah. this is an amazing language and an yeah. amazing race of people i gotta share this with the world how do i do that Hmm. exactly and it's still not enough according to him yeah (laughs) it's still too short oh yeah so i'm just constantly staring in fear that someone's gonna walk over and be like what are you doing crazy crazy woman this woman is talking to herself Well, I have a microphone and a computer set up, so hopefully they're like, oh, obviously she's doing something important. Yeah. Maybe they'll think, maybe they'll, maybe they'll be like, oh, wow. Wow. She's a professional. Oh, yeah. We better not bother her. Um, Anyway, so yes, we begin the feast. He starts off by describing Elrond as ageless, neither old nor young, though in, wait, Oh, it's talking about his face. There we go. His face was ageless, neither old nor young, though in it was written the memory of many things, both glad and sorrowful. His hair was dark as the shadows of twilight, and upon it set a circlet of silver. His eyes were gray as a clear evening, and in them was a light like the light of stars. I love the the like natural naturey descriptive words he uses in there and then also that the words are about like the sky it's about you know uh twilight shadows light stars it's beautiful it all makes sense too because i think someone in one of the earlier episodes told me that the elves are born from the stars or something yes in a way i don't know too much about that because tolkien has written so many history books about middle earth but um later we'll talk about this later um especially with the long the two page long song that gets oh my gosh it does mention a star and the guy aaron dill takes a star to a place i yeah i had to (laughs) I had to definitely, like, do a Google search about what was going on in that song. Which is better than me, because we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we yeah, get we'll there. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I like that if um if they if the elves really are born from the stars, I like that you can see that in mm-hmm. the language he uses to describe yes. them. They're and very he, ethereal. Yeah. And he goes on to describe um a young woman who is sitting I think either next to Elrond or near, but at the head table along with Frodo. It says, the braids of her dark hair were touched by no frost. God, every single time I see a person moving, I'm like, they're coming to kick me out. This is it. This is the first time they're kicking a a nerd out of a library. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) the braids of her dark hair were touched by no frost. Her white arms and clear face were flawless and smooth, and the light of stars was in her bright eyes gray as a cloudless night. Yet queenly she looked, and thought and knowledge were in her glance, as of one wait, as of one who has known many things that the years bring. Above her brow glitter wait, above her oh God, I can't read. Above her brow her head was covered with a cap of silver lace netted with small gems, glittering white. But her soft gray raiment had no ornament save a girdle of leaves wrought in silver. Hey, kids, that's a word that we learned in the last episode. Raiment. It means clothing. It does. Specifically, it's an archaic word for clothing. That's Siri specified. Anyway, so Frodo finds himself sitting next to a dwarf named Glowin. There's an accent over the O, so I'm assuming that's the emphasis you put the 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 stress on glo- yeah. the glowin, and he is one of twelve companions of the great Thorin Oaken's shield, which I just assumed is something that happens or we learn about or is referenced in The Hobbit. So yes. <laughs> yes, and you are right. Glowin and everyone he talks about is in The Hobbit. So if you're reading this without that reference, don't be confused. Like, it, it's okay to be confused. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Which, um, yeah, as we, as we learn later on, so... Glowin finds that Frodo is Frodo is very interested in hearing what he has to say and is really interested in learning about dwarves and his and like his adventures and um, like everything about the dwarf world and their people and everything and because of that like he's a very good listener so Glowin is very excited to share all of this. Glowin was delighted to have found so polite a listener, for Frodo showed no sign of weariness and made no attempt to change the subject. Though actually he soon got rather lost among the strange names of people and places that he had never heard of before, which is a mood for this entire series. (laughs) Yes, I feel the same way too. I'm unfamiliar with the books until now being on this podcast. And I've come across characters I haven't heard of based on my knowledge of the movies only. So, like, Glorfindel? Glorfindel. Yes. um, He's a new guy. As well as uh, Tom Bombadil. He's not even in the movies. And I feel like that's kind of a shame. that's wild to me. I mean, I understand, like, from a, like... From a screenwriter's point of view and a director's point of view, why having Tom Bombadil in the movie would have, like, just added so much runtime to the already long movie. Oh, yeah. They needed... That, like, that's wild to me that Tom Bombadil is this, like, he's like the Bigfoot of Lord of the Rings. He's he's an enigma. (laughs) The Phantom. Yeah. (laughs) 
But yeah, and it was also just funny, the timing of that line, because just a paragraph above it, I was getting confused. There's this line says, the grandson of Bard the Bowman rules them, grandson of Bane, son of Bard. And I was like, that's so many B names. Who is who? What is happening? And I got to a point where I was like, whatever, I'll, if this becomes important to the plot, I'll just flip back to this page later. Yeah. And then like. Two, and then, like, half a paragraph later, it was like, Frodo got lost in all of the strange names. I'm like, same, bro, same. I kind of liked this, like, even with all the names that are just shoved down your throat, because Frodo is talking to someone who went on an adventure with his uncle, and now Frodo is on his own adventure. So he's He's, yeah and he's hearing about these adventures from like another perspective yeah so it's like he's here living his own adventure hearing about and it's just kind of like probably very surreal to him like oh cool now i'm kind of like my uncle bilbo now yeah and then glowen actually he can see the admiration and appreciation that frodo has for bilbo And Frodo says, I would rather see him than all the towers and palaces in the world. And it's just such a sweet, nice thought. And I was, I was reading this at the, um, at the pool and I literally like out loud went, aww. Cause it's just also Frodo's kind of like, he's done. Yeah. (laughs) I think in the, when he wakes up or at some point he says something like, um, I've had quite enough of this adventure. Yeah. Can I be done now? I literally underlined that and because he says, I hope I shan't have to go any further. And I'm yeah. like, boy, just you wait. You got a lot more to go. <laughs> you got, and, um, you got I think two this, more this must have this must have been the Emperor's New Groove reference I made last time because it reminded <gasps> yes. me of the henchman at the end. And he goes, um, I've been turned into a cow. Can I go home now? Yep, that's it. <laughs> yeah, and Frodo's like, um, I was almost turned into a ringwraith. Can I go home now? <laughs> oh, poor buddy. So after the feast and after Glowen and him finish t- chatting, they go into the Hall of Fire for some, like how I would have ice cream and cookies. They have songs and enchantments. And they go into the Hall of Fire and there's this small kind of cloaked mysterious figure sitting on the ground and Elrond turns to Frodo and is like, I have a surprise for you. And then Bilbo takes his hood off and surprise, it him, Bilbo Baggins is in the building. Look at me. (laughs) Um, And it was just so... I wrote in, so it, it was just so great because my, I wrote down the note, aw, Frodo misses Bilbo. And then my exact next note was, oh, in all caps, OMG, it's Bilbo. I am surprised. Because it was, so, it was honestly like the purest kind of plot twist possible. I had kind of like given up hope that we were ever going to see Bilbo again. I thought that we might run into him at some point, but I didn't think it would be, I thought it was going to be for a while. So it was just such a nice little surprise. Yeah, it really was. And I'm glad that they could meet up at Rivendell, which is like, you know, basically spa world. Yeah, it's, it's also like, a, it's their place of safety at this moment. So they can have this nice little reunion and also still feel safe. Um, so it's nice that they get a little moment and they catch up. Bilbo is asking him what's happened, what's been going on. And I highlighted that Gandalf talked to him a little bit, but apparently he says, 
Not that he has told me a great deal, which is not surprising. Gandalf is not very disclosing of information. Yeah. He, he speaks in riddles, as yeah. wizards often do. Yes. And then uh, they get to conversation about the ring. And it's interesting to see this conversation happen between them. And both of them kind of have this desire to be, you know, this temptation to take the ring and Frodo takes the ring out, which I was so surprised to learn that they left the ring on him. They put it on a chain around his neck as he was healing from his evil zombie wound. And I was like, couldn't you at least like, I think in my mind, I'm imagining the ring is like the Horcrux locket and just the fact that like you're touching it or being near it has an effect on you. So like, just even like take the ring off and put it on your bedside table for the night. Like, I don't think anyone's going to break in if Gandalf is sitting there or if Sam is sitting there. Like, I don't think anyone's going to like open up the drawer and snatch it up while someone's sitting there watching it. Like, yeah, (sighs) I think the Horcrux uh, is a good comparison because yeah, I just realized it, it kind of is like that only instead of, I don't know how it was in the Harry Potter books, but um, the ring has, a hold on people but it the hold grows over time yeah i was gonna yeah the the ring is more like the horcrux is like always evil and like the moment you wear it to the moment you take it off you can feel it but the ring like the you have to like start using it and before you like it's like a drug. You have to start using it before you get addicted yeah, to it. Yeah, exactly. The ring is the gateway. It's a drug. <laughs> Kids, t- plot twist. The Lord of the Rings is actually just an after-school special about heroin. <laughs> Not even once. Oh, the, I was I was watching an episode of Degrassi this morning. Don't mock me. I love Degrassi. It's great. <laughs> anyway, and it's just so funny how the 2000s treated, um, like, drugs and drinking and like pot and everything in a, in TV shows and how mm-hmm. it's such an after school special and in the episode yeah. this morning they are in college it's it's the kids who are freshmen in college it's not even the high schoolers and one of them decides to smoke a joint and she likes it and it's fun and then they're having this like dorm building olympics and she makes weed brownies and a couple of the a couple of the kids eat them and obviously get high and they're having a fun time but here's where it takes a dark turn is one of the girls is diabetic and she forgets to take her insulin and goes into a diabetic coma and then they call in these campus security to do sweeps of everyone's rooms to find the weed and then as the girl is freaking out and she calls her roommate and is like oh my gosh you have to get it out of there they're doing searches and as he's carrying it out of the room he bumps into campus security and then he gets kicked out of the residence hall and it's all because of that devil we call marijuana the devil's lettuce <laughs> and it's just so funny to See, watch how I, the- I never watched Degrassi <laughs> but I remember one episode of Saved by the Bell there's this guy who comes to the high school to literally do an anti-drug campaign and the main character Zach becomes really close with him and goes to his house for a party come to find out the guy that does an anti-drug campaign actually does 
drugs. Oh, and Zach is like, nah, man, that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> Crack is whack. I am. Um... <laughs> I saw some, or I heard, I have no idea if this is accurate or not, so this is a great thing for me to put out into the ether, but (laughs) um, I heard somewhere that, um, so listeners, I don't know if this was a regional thing, or I don't know if it was a generational thing, or maybe if it's just in the U.S., but growing up, at least, I had this program in our school, it's called D.A.R.E., and it's like drug something... It was like drug and alcohol drug resistance education. Yeah, drug of yeah, you're right, you're right. And, and they would come in and like scare you into like not doing drugs. And apparently I've heard that um the like our generation of kids who are dare kids, it actually made them like do drugs more. Yeah. And you <laughs> because know you why? were learning about stuff yeah. that you didn't know about and you're like, they would hmm, give what is you, this? They would give you all this information. They would come to school with like briefcases of what the drugs looked like and it's like no wonder these kids suddenly became knowledgeable about drugs out there yeah. because we willingly gave them information and like you know what it does to your system and it's like oh do you want to feel silly then take this I don't yeah know. and there was also a um a at least for me there was a puppet called McGruff. He's McGruff the crime-fighting dog. Yes. And there was a song that he would sing at the end of all of the D.A.R.E. meetings. And I'm not going to sing it now because I'm in a library. But it was like, just say no. I'll have to see if I can find oh my like, some, some like uh, YouTube clip of this. Just say no. I guess, anyway, as a transition, Bilbo cannot say no to the thrall of the yeah, ring. Yeah, that's true. They, yeah, Frodo <laughs> and Bilbo should have just said no. They should have just said no, um, or at least Bilbo It's funny because no. the previous episode uh, portion of it was about, hmm, I wonder what would have happened, how these books would have gone if they had taught Stranger Danger in the Shire and in Hobbiton. And then now I'm like, I wonder what would have happened if they had taught just say no. So yeah. maybe what the Hobbit needs, that what I, maybe what Hobbiton needs is just like a ni- 90s to early 2000s elementary school, middle school education program. Well, the Hobbits themselves are pretty good at staying away from anything extraordinary or out of the norm. It's just those crazy Baggins that get into trouble. Uh, Bilbo Baggins in particular because he, yeah, so he asked Frodo to take the ring out and he does. And simultaneously, they both see this like dark shadow go across the other person's face and both recognize in each other that they're that the ring brings out this sense of darkness in either one of them at least for me um you said a darkness fell on both of them um but i read the last line as bilbo uh turning into this wrinkled creature with a hungry face and bony groping hands yeah so his is his is a more intense darkness (laughs) compared to bilbo frodo hasn't had the ring that long yeah so bilbo hasn't affected him as as much as it has Bilbo. going through withdrawal now (laughs) going back to the drug comparison um as soon as they both realize that like ooh, maybe this isn't a good idea bilbo goes like oh my gosh put it away i'm so sorry I, i shouldn't have even suggested it 
And then he says, I just feel like, I just like this little line. It's just oh, a nice, a nice little nugget to think about. It says, don't adventures ever have an end? I suppose not. Someone else always has to carry on the story. <laughs> and I love that he says that because he's saying it to Frodo because his, Bilbo's adventure has come to an end. But now yep. it's Frodo's adventure. And he's he, passing on the torch yeah. and passing on the ring, yeah. basically, to Frodo. So it's nice, but also like, it's your burden now. Yeah. <laughs> so after they finish chatting, they then go into the song and dance portion of the evening. And <laughs> the elves begin to sing a song, a very long song. And it's like an enchantment almost. And I don't know if the, I don't know if it's like, this is how all elvish songs are. And because it's like elves singing to other elves, maybe they don't feel its effects or maybe it's just because like Frodo is a hobbit. Um, Maybe he's more like susceptible to the enchantments, but for whatever reason, it kind of puts him into this trance like sleep. Oh yeah. And um, I'm going to read this beautiful piece of literature because it's beautiful and I don't want to ruin it with my dumb American words. Almost it seemed that the words took shape and visions of far lands and bright things that he had never yet imagined opened out before him. And the firelit hall became like a golden mist above seas of foam that sighed upon the margins of the world. Then the enchantment became more and more dreamlike until he felt that an endless river of swelling gold and silver was flowing over him, too multitudinous for its pattern to be comprehended. It became part of the throbbing air about him, and it drenched and drowned him. Swiftly, he sank under its shining weight into a deep realm of sleep. Oh, beautiful. Oh, Tolkien. It's just so great because it's it's crazy how sometimes you read, like you read words that are crafted in such a way that you're like, that's exactly what falling asleep is like. You've put word, you've described an experience that feels almost mm. indescribable. Yeah, I, I believe that. And Tolkien has a way with just words since he created his own language, the elven language, and just, you know... Yeah, it's great. Yeah, so he wakes up and he sees Bilbo is chanting this song that is three pages long. And And I looked it up. I really, guys, I truthfully tried so hard to read the song. I I tried so hard, and it was making no... There were these two middle school boys in the pool... (laughs) referencing spongebob and you're more interested um, in that so, same as me yeah my mind was more my mind was more on that one they were referencing specifically the epi- the pizza oh delivery gosh, episode pizza is the pizza is the pizza? <laughs> why, why couldn't that have been the song <laughs> so and keep in mind as i'm singing this i'm doing this in a only bilbo could have known (laughs) what crusty crab was for you and me but yeah the song is so long so my copy of the fellowship is again from 1965 very not well kept it 
It was like this when it was given to me, by the way. I didn't do this myself, but... (laughs) Hey, I personally (laughs) love seeing beat-up copies of books because it means that it's well-loved. Oh, yeah. I I love that. I have paperback versions of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows, and they're held together by duct tape because I literally broke them in half. Oh, my gosh. Like, I held them open for so long or something. I don't know what happened, but they literally split into two pieces and they're held together by duct tape. And (laughs) I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to like throw them out or give them away because I'm like, no, these are my books. (laughs) Well, I guess the previous owner must have hated Bilbo's song because the song was long enough that two pages of the chapter were missing and that's all the song was on. <laughs> and Or so, maybe they loved I, the song so much that they ripped it out before they gave the book away so that they uh, could always have the song. You know what? That's true. The opposite could have been true. But anyway, that's, I had yeah. to print out the song for myself on pieces of paper. <laughs> and I Googled it. And basically, yeah, it's like an elvish history lesson, which is later explained in the Silmarillion. What I'm kind of learning is that every song is just Tolkien's way of slipping more history lessons into the book. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. Like, I know because... that some of the history is boring, but what if I do it in song form? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's like it's like his version of Hamilton. <laughs> I still haven't seen the musical. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it either because it's $500 for a back row ticket five years from now. Have you oh at least listened gosh. to any of the songs? They're it's a no, great album. I know, I am aware, but can't you like w- uh, watch it on YouTube or something? Yes, and I know this because I in college during my senior year hosted a Hamilton bootleg watching party, and I hooked my computer up to a TV in one of the like common rooms in Warwick. And had people come over to watch Hamilton. Oh, that is so cool. But um, I think I remember one of the bootleg things that came from Hamilton is the entire musical being uploaded to a porn site. Yeah, (laughs) Hamilton was on Pornhub. Yeah, it was on Pornhub. And the title of the video is English King Getting (laughs) by Americans or something. (laughs) Not wrong. (laughs) Where is it? I just tweeted. There's this other like funny thing about bootleg culture on YouTube. Um, The way that like bootlegs are able to stay up on YouTube for so long is people will give them like really dubious names. Yeah, I believe there is a version of Hamilton out there somewhere or another popular musical. It might be like Hades Town or something. And it's like labeled as like, this is definitely a slime tutorial. It's it's definitely not Jefferson's Enemy, the musical. It's a slime tutorial. Yeah. <laughs> Waitress, the musical was once labeled as I am sad and pregnant, the musical <laughs> OBC that who? Works. Uh, there's a news newsies musical bootleg out there. It says this is not the newsboy musical. <laughs> These are not the droids you're looking and for. And I believe that one, Harvey Firestein, who is the producer or something of Newsies, like once like retweeted that and was like, This is definitely <laughs> not Newsboys the musical. Yeah. So it's like we've been new, y'all. We've been new. Anyway, yeah, the song is essentially yeah. all of the songs are just history lessons. And 
Yeah, so they finish the song and they leave. And as they're walking out, Frodo notices Lady Arwen standing off to the side and Aragorn is standing near her. And as I was I was reading this, I like was reading a part of this out loud mm-hmm. um, when we were recording last night. And as I was reading it, I realized that basically what I thought was happening in this interaction is that Lady Arwen, I thought Lady Arwen and Aragorn were sharing some looks um, but really, it was just that Lady Arwen turned to look at Frodo, um, and I got confused about which I got confused about what, like what yeah. he was yeah. referring to and what him was referring to. But I um, thought I like still like this theory, and I hope I don't know what'll become of it, but I like this idea that um, Aragorn and Lady Arwen are what are their names? Yeah. Luthien and Baron from the story that Aragorn told to the hobbits mm-hmm. as a terrifying bedtime story, like um, yeah. the night before the night they got attacked. And because at the time uh, when I was recording that episode, I pointed I was like, this is a, such a weird story for him to bring up because the whole point of him telling these stories is that he's calming the nerves of the hobbits and he's like trying not to freak them out and it's kind of a random story for him to tell them about this you know this mortal person this mortal man who stumbles upon an elf and he dies and so she gives up her immortality so she can die with him what a random story and now i'm like oh 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 is lady arwen luthien and aragorn is um baron I, I, I'm just because it would be it would be nice for one of these like random stories or songs to actually, to actually have a have point meaning in this story or to like be a form yeah. of foreshadowing yeah. or something. And so you are not far off. Um, <gasps> yes. I, I'm not going to say any more, but I mean, um, sounds good. Earlier in the chapter when we were introduced to Arwen. Uh, it says, Arwen, daughter of Elrond, in whom right. it was said, the likeness of Luthien has come on Earth again. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, and that's all I'm saying. That is all I'm saying. So Bilbo and Frodo walk back to his room and they're kind of still talking and Sam pops his head in to be <laughs> like the mom and yeah. say, hey, it's getting kind of late. Uh, you almost died. I think you should go to bed now. Okay, love you. Bye. Oh my gosh. Oh, Sam Gamgee. Yeah, so Sam is like, all right, it's time to go Betty. Bye. Good night. And that's how the chapter ends. It ends like, I don't know, ex- I don't know, excitedly, kind, not really like cliffhanger yeah. but it, it, it hints at the next chapter and kind of sets up excitement for the next chapter. It says, well, sir, there is a council early tomorrow, I hear, and he only got up today for the first time. Quite right, Sam left. Blah, blah. Yeah, so it, yeah, so he's talking about the council that's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And of course, the next chapter is titled Council of Elrond. Yep. And this is where I'm told it all goes down. Not really, but according to... <laughs> it's a very long chapter, so I'm assuming a lot happens. A lot is covered in it. And you will meet more characters who will be... I'm excited for. I'm pretty sure this is where, hypothetically, we meet the one does not simply walk into Mordor guy. Uh, And that's all I know. And hypothetically, Orlando Bloom. I don't know. Oh, I had the hugest crush on Orlando Bloom in this movie. Gosh. (laughs) 
Well, that brings us to the end. Kelsey, thanks for coming and thanks for dealing with all of our technical difficulties and doing this again, even though the listeners are hearing this half of the podcast for the first time. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for having me. What would you like to plug or share or talk about? So I don't have any projects that I'm working on. I just have social media. So you can follow me on Twitter. I retweet a lot of memes and funny things at uh, Kelso, K-E-L-S-O 1093. And uh, I work at the Library of Congress. So if you're up in D.C., you can come visit, take a tour, uh, look at the Gutenberg Bible. We have one of those. (gasps) Really? It's on display. Oh, I got to get me up there to see that Gutenberg Bible. Children, as a comm major from college, the Gutenberg printing press is like something that like they just hammer into your brain at every at the start of every single year because it was like the start of communication, basically, Mm -hmm. like the printing press and the first Bible that was printed on the printing press was the start uh, like we have that bible and that printing press to thank for this podcast right now it was the start uh, of all communication basically getting the written word out into the world and helping people read yeah and that's what libraries are all about you are in one i am in one (laughs) i work at one (laughs) man i love libraries they're great that's what I'm talking about is a production of Bacon and Eggs. You can learn more about Bacon and Eggs by going to baconandeggs.media. I said Bacon and Eggs like 5,000 times in that in those two sentences, but it's fine. Breakfast. Um, <laughs> the cover is by Graphite. You can support Vaishan by following him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Tolkien About Pod. You can find me on Twitter at mcwatt416. You can find me on Instagram at mcturndownforwatt. And then some two little extra announcements. So hang in there. First is that it really makes my day when I see their new ratings or new reviews. And it also helps other people discover the podcast. So please, if you're enjoying this, give it a rate, give it a review. It truly just makes me so happy when I see that, you know, there are people listening and actively enjoying it. So please rate and review. And then finally, I just want to say show my thanks and appreciation for this first group of listeners that are here in the beginning and supporting me and supporting the pod and also by extension supporting Tyler and Ethan. And to show my thanks, I want to send you a little surprise in the mail. So if that sounds like fun to you, click on the link that are in the show notes. It's a Google form and please add your information. I swear I'm not going to do anything bad with that. I'm just going to send you a little surprise that'll hopefully make your day better. Yeah, that sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to send you a surprise in the mail. Yeah, it's it's not candy, unfortunately. That's not the surprise. (laughs) Um, All right, cool. So uh, signing out from the Henrico County Public Library. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs)